then some painting, followed by a story in the classroom that would by then have the paintings displayed proudly on the walls to brighten things up. Later, once everyone had eaten their packed lunches, Evie's pupils could turn to finishing the bunting. Luckily, Evie had had the foresight the previous week to seek help from Mr. Cause, the school caretaker, in making her up something her pupils could use as paint. He'd been very helpful and had managed to concoct three or four pots of colour using goodness knows what, and he'd even been to the local weekly newspaper in Oldwell Abbott, their local market town. There, Mr. Cause had begged some paper offcuts that couldn't be used on the huge metal printing press, returned to Limbridge with a tremendous cash. Evie had been impressed by how resourceful he'd been, The paper was quite fragile, but Evie thought if it were folded, it would probably be perfectly serviceable for what she wanted it for. Evie decided that she and her pupils could end the day by playing some sort of game that would decide whether the bunting would be put up in the classroom or else hung in the Nissen hut. These poor children had so little choice over anything to do with their lives these days, and especially so in the case of the two evacuees in her class, Jonathan and Michael, who'd come to Devon from London, were missing their families dreadfully, which wasn't surprising as they were still only five. They made, along with Frank and Joseph, who were in Mrs. Bowe's class, a total of four evacuees who lived in the village and attended the primary school. In fact, there were a further fifteen evacuees still resident in the surrounding area, boys and girls, most of whom had been sent to outlying farms, but they had been allocated to other village schools. There had been more evacuees sent to the area, but they had already returned home. None of this was ideal, of course, and so Evie was keen that the children she was going to teach could discover that they could sometimes influence what was going to happen, even if it was something as seemingly meaningless as where some homemade but nonetheless cheery-looking bunting might be hung. As the church clock struck eight o'clock, Evie heard the unmistakable sound of Mrs. Bow's rapid but heavy-footed gait, heralded by the clang of the school gate behind her. Putting her basket containing several storybooks and the half-made bunting on the teacher's table behind her, Evie turned to face the classroom door, with what she hoped was a positive and cheerful expression on her face as she waited to greet her headmistress. Miss! Miss! Are you our new teacher, Miss? Miss! roared Scabby Need Bobby Ayres as he ran towards her. His mother, Betty, gave a small wave and a sympathetic grimace in Evie's direction as she turned to go. Evie smiled brightly at Bobby. Yes, I'm Miss Yo, and I'm very much looking forward to teaching you and your friends. Meow, he hollered back, clearly puzzled. Miss Yo, Evie enunciated slowly, in what she hoped was a quietish but crystal clear voice, remembering Miss Coombe saying to her that little Bobby was a sweetheart and really willing but that he tended to get the wrong end of the stick as he often needed his ears syringing. Now Bobby nodded back at Evie with a serious expression as his tongue wobbled a loose front tooth. 
leaving her uncertain as to whether he'd understood what she'd said to him or not. But Evie couldn't dwell on Bobby and the problems to do with his hearing, as the next ten minutes yielded in quick succession another eight members of her class, whose mothers each came into the playground to speak to her. Evie actually knew who they all were already. This was an advantage of having grown up in the village, as it was a tightly knit community, but it was the first time she had spoken to some of them. She'd been at school with a couple of the mothers herself. These fellow old pupils were girls who had married as soon as they could. Evie exchanged friendly and slightly bashful grins, rather than what she hoped were the calm and in-charge smiles she directed towards the other mothers. The reality was that much of this was a big bluff. Although she would be 21 before the end of 1941...